Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome again to Suncoast Online. It's my pleasure today to share with you uh, our message. My name is Brendan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Suncoast. Uh, and wherever you are, wherever this finds you, I pray that you are doing well um, and that you would just be able to sit back and enjoy uh, this teaching for the next sort of 20 minutes. Um, we're in the middle of a series right now called The Crown, and we're looking at what life is like in light of the resurrection. Uh, and I'd like to start by telling you a story. Uh, if you've been following our reading plan called Follow the Rabbi uh, through the last week, you will have seen uh, there was a reading that came in Mark chapter 5. Uh, and it was the story of a man who was possessed by demons. And it sounds a bit weird. Uh, and the story is wild. You know, there is a, this man and he is a, an, a danger to everyone around him and to himself. Uh, he's possessed by demons, so the Bible tells us. Uh, he's cutting himself, he's harming other people. They try and chain him up. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, and then Jesus, uh, he rocks up to this place and he has a confrontation with this man. He comes out to greet Jesus. Of all people, the crazy guy has to come and meet Jesus to represent your town, uh, as it were. Uh, and in this story, um, Jesus actually delivers this man. Turns out he has many demons uh, and there are pigs involved. I mean, you need to go read the story. It's crazy. Um, and what happens is this man is totally delivered. He's made right. He's made healthy. Uh, and the people of the town who are kind of struggling to process this, they've just lost a bunch of their pigs in the story. Um, they, they look at Jesus and trying to catch up with this. They're freaked out, understandably. And they tell Jesus, hey, you, can you just go? You get out of here. Um, we don't quite know what's going on, even though they could see this man had been made right. And then there's this, um, as they tell Jesus and his disciples to leave, we capture this little interaction here between the man who was made right, and Jesus. And I just want to read it here. It says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. I find it interesting that amidst the circumstances of our world, the overarching message right now for all of us is to go home. And it's a, it's a good message. It's encouraging what people are calling physical or social distancing right now to make sure that we stop the spread of this virus. But it's kind of ironic, really, because for almost all of time and all of our lives, the message has been anything but this. The message for all of us is to get out of your home, go to work, go to school, go get some exercise, go away from home because that's where um, you should be going and getting life. And we're always desiring to be back home against the flow of life. But right now, you know, we are getting this unnerving and sort of strange uh, requirement where we need to be at home. Think about it. Why is that strange? Why are we all struggling with this idea of going home and staying there? You see, I think as much as home can be a place of comfort and a place that we want to be, um, home is also a bit strange because I think our home tends to be a reflection 
of who we really are, right? And I've often heard it said that if you want to find out what a person is really like, follow them home. Go see what they're like in their home. If you want to know if, if someone could tell you that they're a clean and tidy person, and maybe they're like that at work, maybe they're like that here and there and everywhere, but if you want to find out, go and see their home. Go and look at their car. Someone could tell you that they're a nice and kind person. Maybe when they're out uh, at a football game, maybe they're out having a drink or out to dinner. But if you want to know, let's say if a man is a kind man, go to his house and see what he's like with his wife, with his children. If you want to know if a woman is a kind woman, see what she's like in the home. I often tell young guys who are dating and trying to um, you know, find a wife or something like that. Sometimes I tell them, hey, see what she's like at home. You know, if you're finding a young guy, see what he's like at home with his siblings, with his parents. Because home tends to be this reflection of our actual selves. You see, in some ways, home confronts us. Because when we go home, we see our real selves. We see what we're really like. And whether we like it or not, we're all being thrust into a period of time where we are being asked, to go home. You know, I think it's very often that when, when we as people discover something great, a great idea, so a piece of inspiration, something creative, um, something we want to bless people with, maybe if you're a Christian, it might even be like a revelation from God or some inspiration from, from God, that our first urge is to take it outside. You know, I want to go to the world. I want to go and bless these other people. And our urge is to go outside of their home. You know, our aims can be like that. In other ways, people often uh, find themselves avoiding home to, because, you know, keeping your focus outside the home is a way of keeping distraction when home might be a dysfunctional place. Now, I'm obviously using the concept of home here as kind of like a, a double layering. It could either be like the physical place that you dwell, where you might have children or parents, you know, a house or a unit perhaps. But I think we're also here talking about kind of a metaphorical idea of what is home for you, your heart, the, the core of who you are, and why so much of us, rather than going into our home, going to the place of who we really are, we go outside. I think in some ways, we tend to take our best outside and sometimes home gets our worst. You see this with some people uh, when they become addicted to their careers. Um, you know, they take all of their energy, their creativity, their inspiration, and rather than, you know, wasting it at home, I take it to work where I might get paid for it, where other people might recognize me, where I may get known for that. Um, you know, we take it to a sports club. I take it out to these other people to get recognition rather than focusing on my own home. I know families can often find this and sometimes home can become ignored. It may not even get our best. I think the problem with that is that the truth is that your home, be it your actual home or like a metaphorical home, it provides the foundation for blessing everyone outside. In some ways, if your home is wrong, if your home lacks peace, lacks forgiveness, 
lacks clarity? Is it messy? Often that does have a huge impact outside and you can only hide that for so long. And people who don't have a great home often then will not invite people in to a place that could be uh, a huge blessing. You see, your home should be the core of who you are and it should be the foundation of everything that comes from you and blesses others. And I think it's, it's no coincidence that as Jesus looked at this man who'd been restored, this man who had been uh, demon-possessed, as it were, for him to go from being such an incredible mess to be made whole again. And in his right mind, the scripture tells us that the first thing this man wanted to do was to go out and say, hey, I need to take what's happened to me, this transformation, and I need to let everyone else know about it. Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, there will be a time for that. But right now, what I need you to do is go home. Go home and solidify this. Go home and tell your family, right? Get it right at home. Don't ignore your home. Get it right there before you take it out elsewhere. And isn't it interesting that right now, as I said, we're all being told to go home. And so what do we do with that? What do we do in this home season? You know, some of us might be making great attempts to be uh, self-isolating, to be distancing from others to, and needing to spend much more time inside. And, you know, you can kind of look around and see many people struggling with this. But what I really think is that this is an opportunity like no other, where you and I can go home, where we can look inside, where we can do some evaluation to see how could I make my home right? And we spend so much of our lives outside of the home that this is an opportunity. It's not a curse. It's an opportunity to look at home and to see how I can make home better. And what I want to present just in the last couple of minutes of this message is, is three areas that you could examine when it comes to looking at your home. And like I said, it's not necessarily just the physical home. Uh, it's you as a person. What is home to you? So let's look at those. Number one, are my thoughts and my beliefs in line with God? I think um, at the moment, our drive towards consuming news, towards con consuming social media, and just to consuming off a screen in general is very high. You know, the more time we spend at home, we kind of can't help ourselves, but cons consume so much. And I think it is deeply contributing to the level of anxiety, to the level of hysteria and unrest that people are experiencing right now. So let me just give you something that I've been doing. Maybe it could help you in terms of making sure that your thoughts and your beliefs are right. For instance, I, uh, I've made it a habit that I will not check any news for the first hour of the day. I don't even turn my phone from flight mode. Um, the only thing I'll consume will just be the Bible, maybe spend some time with my family, have some breakfast. And I refuse that the first hour of my day is my day is set in course and in motion, that it is consumed by worry and anxiety. Rather, I set my course trusting in God and who He is to me. I do the same at the last hour of the day. I do not check any news for the last hour of the day. I tend to, to think, hey, if it's something um, that's coming up, I'll find, a, find out about it in the morning. 
and then through the day, there are maybe two or three times that I will check the news. I don't think that you and I are wired to receive news updates 24 hours a day. I don't think it's helpful for our mental health in any way. Generally speaking, uh, the news as it is, is optimized towards creating shock and in many ways fear in people because that's what drives clicks. That's what drives the beast. So I encourage you. And, you know, the scripture says, you know, that, that we should renew our minds. You, you read that in Romans 12, that we could be transformed by the renewing of our minds rather than being conformed to the world. So I encourage you, take this chance to examine your thoughts and beliefs, maybe even write them down, the, the thoughts that come through your mind, and have a look at them. You've got plenty of time to do this. Um, number two, are my behaviors and my habits in line with God? Am I honoring God with the way that I live my life, with the way that I speak with my family members, with the way that I speak with people closest to me? If you want to really assess the values that you have in life, the, the trick to that is to actually look at how you behave. Look at the core of your actions. And in many ways, you can actually change what you value by starting to change some of your actions, starting to, to intentionally be kind, to examine the way that you live your life. Take this chance to look at how you act and how you are at home. Look at the habits that you do, you do have that you, that you shouldn't have or the ones that you don't have, that you want to have, and, and look at this season uh, as a way of building great habits, building habits of prayer, building habits of kindness, building habits of connection. Maybe you don't connect with people in a meaningful way and you need to start that. Maybe you need to make a phone call to a family member or a friend every single day. It could be a habit and an action that you bring into your life in this season and something that sustains you well after this. And lastly, is my heart in line with God? I think that the, the greatest irony of, of all of, all of this um, that's happening around us with, with the coronavirus is that it started out as something that we looked and said, that's happening somewhere else. It's not happening here. It's not happening to me. It's happening somewhere else. And slowly but surely, we were all confronted with this idea that it's actually not just happening somewhere else. It's happening right here. And then when it came to how we should behave, the recommendation that's come to us is that, you know what, you actually need to behave as if you have it, because you might, and you may just not recognize that you already have the virus and you could be passing it around without even knowing it. And so it's best to keep your distance from people, especially people who are vulnerable. And that's the idea of physical distancing. I think it's, it's much the same with, with sin and even with evil. Our tendency as people often is to think, you know, the real evil is actually, you know, not where I'm, it's, it's happening somewhere else. Like what's wrong with the world is that there are people, you know, they're in another country or the big corporations or the governments or, or, or those people that are committing violence and, and, you know, despicable acts. That's where the real evil is. When the reality is that the real evil is not everywhere around us, it's, it's within us, it's within you and I. Until you and I recognize that, that our hearts are in need of rescuing, of coming alive, of our, that our hearts are in need of being restored, you and I will live a lie, which is to think that the problem is anywhere else but with us. The Bible says that because of the great love with which God loved us, 
He made us alive together with Christ, even while we were dead in our sin. And this is my encouragement to you today. As you go home, as you introspect, as you take this chance, maybe it's forced, as you take this chance to examine the way you live at home, the internal person that you are and what comprises you, to look at your heart and to know that you can be made alive together with Christ. We believe that He has risen from the dead, that you can experience resurrection and that the crown, the crown represents His victory and that you and I can experience that even today. That is my prayer for you, that in this season, that you would be made alive in Christ. Well, let me close this by praying for you uh, and then we'll, we'll finish up this service. So God, we take this moment right now to look to you, our Father in heaven. And I pray for your peace over every person who is watching this online right now, that they would know your peace, your joy, and most of all, God, that they would know what it is to be made alive in you, maybe even for the first time. Well, look, if, if this is something that's totally new for you, we as a church want to be here with you. Maybe this is the first time you've ever considered even praying to God. And trust me, you can do it right where you are right now. God is listening to you. Well, thanks, uh, thanks again so much for being here with us at church today. Uh, it's been my privilege to share with you and I look forward to seeing you again real soon. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.